As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Getting excited for Cardinals Seahawks 2 and the rest of Week 11 on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Fantasy Football in 15. It is Thursday, November 19th. Week 11 kicks off tonight, and what a kickoff game it is with the Cardinals and Seahawks getting together. The first game between these two teams, a classic 37-34 Cardinals win in overtime. Hopefully, we get as good a game tonight. I am Michael Beller, and I am joined, as always, by Derek Van Riper. DVR, sometimes we get lucky on Thursday, sometimes we don't. This is definitely in the former. Just It feels better for a week to start with a game like this rather than Colts-Titans. No offense, Colts and Titans. I just like how it's always a shot at the AFC South. We think of bad <laughs> Thursday night games, and that's the division that immediately comes to mind. But this year, the NFC East is the division I don't want to mm-hmm. see in a primetime spot because I just want to avert my eyes when those matchups happen, and it's easier to do that when there are six other games or even three other games in the late afternoon window going up against you know Cowboys-Washington footballs. I just don't <laughs> like those teams at all right now. I get sick of them when they're good, and they're so bad that ugh, I can't stand them when they're in standalone situations. Hey, with all due respect to the suckness of the NFC East, I don't think there's a more boring team in the NFL than the Chicago Bears. Those teams maybe are worse than the Bears, but the Bears are the most boring team, hands down. It's hard to believe that a Matt Nagy-led team could be boring, too. That was the exact opposite of what he was supposed to be when he was hired, so... I look forward to him being a coordinator somewhere else in 2021. (laughs) It's almost as though Patrick Mahomes had a little bit more to do with that team being fun uh, than Matt Nagy. Let's talk about this Thursday night game, though, because it is going to be a fun one, and it's giving us a fair bit of news. Let's start on Seattle's side of the equation. First, Chris Carson is technically questionable because of the foot injury that has held him out for a few games. However, Adam Schefter says Chris Carson unlikely to play Tyler Lockett, also questionable with a knee injury. Schefter has him as likely to play. So good news for all the Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson managers for that matter. Carlos Hyde has missed a couple of games because of a hamstring injury. He is not on the uh, injury report, so he will play. And our Michael Sean Dugar, who covers the Seahawks for the Athletics, says it sounds like right now in his words, quote, sounds like Carlos Hyde 
will be the starter for the Seahawks. So let's say it plays out that way, Derek. No Chris Carson. Carlos Hyde starts. You interested in Carlos Hyde in this spot? Somewhat, but I also think that the other depth backs we've been leaning on, DJ Dallas and Travis Homer, can at least have complementary roles. So it's more of a hold your nose and throw them out there for cheap volume. I think with Hyde, I'm always worried the passing game role won't be there, that he's going to be mostly Mm -hmm. a dozen carries or 15 carries and not doing much out of the backfield as a pass catcher. So a lukewarm endorsement, I guess, (laughs) but I don't like it. I'd rather be all over the passing games on both sides of this matchup. Yeah, so would I, and I think that's perfect for uh, for Carlos Hyde because especially of what Travis Homer and DJ Dallas can still bring to the table. Homer, I think even more so, it's pretty easy for the Seahawks to go Carlos Hyde as the runner, Homer slash Dallas with a little more Homer as the receiving back and you know let Russ basically do what he does, especially if he is going to have Tyler Lockett out there. So it's hard to really want to commit to Carlos Hyde on a Thursday unless you are desperate at this position. Could see him factoring anywhere into the you know RB24 to RB30 range. Feels like that's appropriate for Carlos Hyde, assuming that Chris Carson is indeed out. On the other side of this game, uh, we have a pretty interesting breakdown with the Arizona backs. Kenyon Drake returned last week, 16 carries for 100 yards. Chase Edmonds reverted to his previous role. Eight carries, 56 yards, got three targets, caught them all for 21 yards. This is what we've come to expect from these Arizona Cardinals backs, and I think it is uh, a a ground for the two of them to both be RB2 flex-worthy, at least in that discussion. Yeah, I mean, I think as long as Chase Edmonds keeps the bulk of the passing down opportunities, he can afford to yield a larger share of the carries to Drake and still come out on top production-wise in some matchups. It was something that we saw from the Cardinals earlier this season before Kenyon Drake's absence. The production was more even than people expected coming into the season. You think about Kenyon Drake as someone who was going kind of at the one-two turn back during draft season, and Chase Edmonds was being targeted as more of a a clear-cut sort of backup. I think you can probably play both of those backs most weeks, at least until we get to the point where we're not missing players because of buys anymore. Uh, So if I'm looking at where they'd be ranked, I mean, Drake, easily an RB2 at this point. I I don't think he's a, a top 10 back most weeks. As long as Edmonds is healthy, I think Edmonds is firmly in that safe flex range week in and week out, especially if you're getting even just a half point per reception. I think that's what bumps up his floor at this point. Yeah, for what it's worth, when these two teams got together for the first time this season back in Week 7, it was the game in which Kenyon Drake got hurt. Now, he was able to play a good chunk of the game, got 14 carries, but just turned that into 34 yards. Uh, Chase Edmonds was uh, far and away the more effective back for the Cardinals in that game. Five carries for 58 yards, seven targets, caught them all for 87 yards. And if this game doesn't indeed follow a similar script to what we saw the first game, you would think that maybe... Because of his role in the passing game, Edmonds has a slight upper hand. But again, this is going to be a push and pull between these two guys every week, and you're going to want to check uh, into matchups when you are deciding what you're going to do with either one of these guys. Christian Kirk had himself a nice game the first time these two teams played, uh, mostly because of what he did getting into the end zone. He had eight targets, caught five of them, just 37 yards, but two touchdowns. And Christian Kirk is a boomer bust player for sure. This is a matchup where a lot of players, himself included, have boomed. It feels like he is someone you have to play in this matchup unless you are super deep at the wide receiver position. Are you on that same page? Yeah, I mean, it's a matchup against the team that's been the most generous to opposing wide receivers all season long, and it's by far. And you're talking about a player in Christian Kirk 
who pretty consistently gets about 15% of the targets in this offense. I would say you know, in volume-based leagues, again, full PPR especially, Larry Fitzgerald's probably playable this week. Sure. And he might be available on the wire in some of those leagues, so he might be uh, a streaming option. I don't want to use him every week, but that's how bad Seattle is. I mean, Fitz even had... 8 for 62 on 8 targets in the first meeting between these teams back in Week 7. So I'm definitely in on Kirk. Obviously, everybody loves DeAndre Hopkins in this spot. But if I'm hurting at wide receiver, I'm at least considering Larry Fitzgerald because the matchup is just that good. Let's remember, too, what the principals in this game did the first time these two teams got together. Russell Wilson, 388 yards, three touchdowns, also ran for 84 yards. Kyler Murray, 360 yards, three touchdowns, ran for 67 yards. And another score on the ground, DeAndre Hopkins caught 10 passes for 103 yards and a score. Tyler Lockett, this was his big blow-up game, 15 catches for 200 yards and three touchdowns. DK Metcalf was pretty quiet in this one. This was, of course, the uh, uh, the best tackle of the season, the best effort play, one of the best effort plays of the season uh, from DK Metcalf chasing down Buda Baker. It was that game, uh, but had just two catches for 23 yards. Something tells me, given that he got the shadow treatment and Tyler Lockett went off in that game, that maybe he won't get the shadow treatment. But get excited. Seahawks Cardinals 2 should be a great one to kick off Week 11. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's move on to the rest of the Week 11 slate. This is a Thursday, so of course we have our first batch of good information, of meaningful information, probably the better way to say that from injury reports. Matthew Stafford has a thumb injury on his throwing hand, but still expected to play. We're going to watch this one very closely uh, throughout the rest of the practice week. Kristen McCaffrey already been ruled out with that shoulder injury, so at least one more week out of Mike Davis, but we have seen that Mike Davis train really, really slow down over the last couple of weeks. Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys, they are coming out of their bye this week. Elliott's going to play. He's fine, but he says that his hamstring is still stiff. Meanwhile, Andy Dalton will get back under center for the Cowboys this week. We've talked about the Cowboys uh, across our suite of podcasts a little bit this week. I just feel, Derek, like it has to be better, right? I mean, Andy Dalton didn't completely forget how to play the quarterback position, and he doesn't need to be Dak Prescott with the weapons that are around him to at least bring a competence level to this offense where you're feeling good about Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, and I think CeeDee Lamb too. He should at least be good enough to give you hope for Ezekiel Elliott finding yes. the end zone, at least increased hope. We know Elliott's going to get plenty of volume and maybe he's more of a round two, round three turn sort of guy if we were redrafting for the rest of the season. I think that's something you and I talked about on yesterday's show, but at least two of those pass catchers should be viable as well. I mean, I think Amari Cooper is the guy you turn to first. He's a true number one. I think he's pretty safe. I wonder if Lamb over Gallup is just 
totally obvious at this point. I don't know if you yeah. want to go crazy with Dalton Schultz or anything like that, but it's going to probably be a skinnier tree than we wanted it to be at the beginning of the season simply because Dalton and this offense will be at best closer to league average than among the league's elite the way they were with Dak Prescott at the helm. I think the other thing that continues to at least put the Cowboys in some fantasy-friendly scripts, it's not a defense that's figured a lot of things out. They can right. still leak points and yardage like a sieve. That opens up opportunities volume-wise for the passing game too. So they're still an okay floor for the skinnier part of this offense. But yeah, I think the days of five or six Cowboys being fantasy relevant in a given week, those days are over until Dak Prescott hopefully comes back in 2021. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Amari Cooper probably lands back as his pre-Dak boom-bust wide receiver three, the guy who we came to know very well before he and Dak Prescott got together and really took off. And I am still holding on to the first Andy Dalton start for the Cowboys. That was back in week six against the Arizona Cardinals the week before they played Seattle the first time. And CeeDee Lamb got 11 targets in that game, caught seven of them for 64 yards. So I don't know if the ceiling is there where it was with Dak, but I think the floor is relatively close to where it was with Dak. So yeah, I'm not necessarily endorsing him, rubber stamping a start for CeeDee Lamb this week, but I do think he is startable and that there are going to be better days ahead, somewhere between what we've seen since Dak got hurt and where he was when Dak was out there for the rest of the season. Some good news from Miami. Matt Breida practiced in full for the uh, Dolphins on Wednesday. This was a little bit of a surprise after he has missed two games in a row because of the hamstring injury. A, a practice in full on Wednesday, uh, something disastrous would have to happen on Thursday or Friday for him to not play on Sunday. So Matt Breida, Salvan Ahmed, uh, how do we judge this backfield now that it looks like it's going to be these two guys out there active together for the first time all season? If it plays out like that, I think Ahmed's probably looking at 10 to 12 carries and not a whole lot in the passing game. I think that's where Breida has an edge. It's kind of mm -hmm. like the Drake Edmonds situation where those passing down opportunities that go to Edmonds in the Arizona offense are opportunities I would expect to see going to Matt Breida for Miami. So you could see both actually being good enough to end up in lineups, but this isn't the same offense that we're talking about in Arizona. I think you've got bigger questions about the skills of both of those running backs compared to those Arizona backs as well. Ahmed was a guy scooped up in waivers in a couple of leagues, and I don't know if I'll end up starting him if Breida gets the green light for Sunday. I think it's kind of an avoid entirely uh, or avoid if possible sort of situation with both backs at this point. Alan Lazard is a guy who we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast. We've been anxiously awaiting his return. Sounds like it will happen this week from that core muscle surgery, but Matt LaFleur saying that Alan Lazard will be eased back into the lineup. It's also a luxury that the Packers have. 7-2, and two, right now the one seed on the NFC side of the bracket comfortably in command of the NFC North. So they don't necessarily need to rush Alan Lazard back into things, especially when you look at the fact that that offense has been doing just fine without him. So maybe a couple of weeks yet before we're really feeling good about him in fantasy leagues, but it will be good to see him return if he indeed can get back out there 
on Sunday. Let's run through some of the other practice report information here. Derek, no practice for Joe Mixon, Noah Fant, and Duke Johnson. Joe Mixon just can't get right. Hopefully something good comes on Thursday or Friday. Limited practices for a couple of surprises off the top here. Alvin Kamara dealing with a little bit of a foot issue, and Devontae Adams with an ankle. Devontae Adams already saying that uh, it's no slam dunk that he plays this week. So we'll be watching Thursday and Friday's practice reports very carefully. Calvin Ridley has missed some time because of the foot injury that knocked him out of a game a couple of weeks ago. Limited on Wednesday. Things are definitely pointing up for him. Raheem Morris said as much uh, during Wednesday's practice or after Wednesday's practice. A couple of Lions showing up here too. Kenny Galladay with that hip issue that has kept him out a couple of games. TJ Hawkinson with a toe injury that he played through last week. Teddy Bridgewater has a knee injury that could keep him out, but he did get in a limited practice on Wednesday. Zach Ertz returned to practice for the Eagles from that ankle injury. Limited on Wednesday, returning the way that he is. That's definitely a good sign for him on Sunday. Jerry Judy also limited with an ankle injury and Brashad Perriman limited with a shoulder injury. Very quickly here, Derek, of those guys who are limited, who is the one that you're going to be watching most closely over the next 48 hours? Yeah, I think it's Teddy Bridgewater because if Teddy Bridgewater doesn't go, it's probably P.J. Walker at quarterback, and then we got to decide with that change, are we still comfortable with Robbie Anderson and D.J. Moore and maybe Curtis Samuel in some deeper leagues? Do you expect there to be a slight drop-off or a significant drop-off with Walker, or maybe no drop-off at all. Maybe there are some P.J. Walker truthers out there. Um, so I think that one is probably the most interesting to me because it has an impact on multiple players, a very clear impact on multiple players we've been relying on a lot in these last few weeks. I agree. And some of those big names, Kamara, Adams, we're not too worried about yet. Ridley, things are headed in the right direction. Galladay, things are headed in the right direction. So, you know, if those guys are still in the same position on Thursday's practice reports and especially Friday's practice reports, then maybe we get a little bit worried. But for the time being, Got to keep our eyes in Carolina to see if Teddy Bridgewater or P.J. Walker is going to be the starting quarterback for the Panthers against the Lions this week. That's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Non-athletic subscribers, what are you doing? Get yourself a subscription. You can do it for just $1 a week at theathletic.com slash football in 15. For Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, thanks for listening and enjoy this great start to Week 11, Cardinal Seahawks 2. We'll talk to you soon.